Hey, everybody, Elizabeth here. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you know registration is currently open for our Spring Strong Foundations cohort. Strong Foundations is a five-week strength building program brought to you by me and Morgan Bungers. Coach Morgan Bungers is one of the best, most effective strength training coaches in this country. He has worked with some of the most elite athletes in the world, and now he specializes working with people in their 40s, in their 50s, in their 60s who want everyday strength. And this is not about being able to push your suitcase into the overhead compartment on an airplane. We need to be consistently and effectively strength training if we want to maintain the strength of our immune system. Muscle is a critical part of our immune system. And if we are not actively maintaining our strength, we are losing it as we age. And that means we are losing the strength of our immune system. It's also a significant component of our overall metabolism, especially our carbohydrate metabolism. Muscle mass plays a huge role in energy, in mood, mental health, bone health, so many different things. This is just not optional, but a lot of us don't do it because we aren't sure what to do. We aren't sure what not to do. We aren't sure if we're moving well. We don't know how to accommodate for our physical limitations or our current level of fitness, and that is why you need a coach and you'd be hard-pressed to find one better than Morgan Bungers. Now, here's the thing about fitness programs. I've experienced this. My mom, who's in her 70s, has experienced this, where you buy a fitness program and then you're like, okay, but I I can't do that workout because I'm not fit enough or I don't have enough balance or I don't have that equipment or that hurts my knees or it hurts my back. And then you're sort of just left to figure it out yourself, which means we often don't do anything. The great thing about Strong Foundations is that Morgan and I are part of it every single day and you have an unlimited ability to ask us questions in a group setting or via direct message so that Morgan can help you scale for you, for whatever equipment you have, for the time that you have, for your fitness level, for your body and your physical limitations. Five weeks, there's two different tiers. There's a beginner intermediate tier. There's an intermediate advanced tier. The testimonials that we have received from our previous clients will blow your mind. You can check them out and also register for your spot by going to primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. If you are an alum, if you have been through strong foundations before, I've already emailed you a renewal link with a special renewal rate. So please use that. If you don't see that email, let me know. For the rest of you, primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation. We start on May 13th. So grab your spot now. You will have these workouts for life. Four workouts a week for five weeks, two different tiers. So you've got 40 workouts total. Plus, there is a five-part series on your pelvic floor. That is an incredibly important part of your physical fitness, of your strength, of your core strength, of your overall health, of your ability to maintain functional mobility as you get older. We want you to be a part of this. You will not regret joining the Strong Foundations cohort. It is an incredible community. 
everybody needs to be consistently and effectively strength training. And if you're not, it's probably because you don't know how to make it work for you. And it can be made to work for you. It needs to be made to work for you. Primalpotential.com forward slash strong foundation to register now. Let's get into the episode. This is Primal Potential, and I am your host, Elizabeth Benton. Through education, motivation, and implementation, we will bridge the gap between knowing and doing so we can master fat loss naturally and help you reach your highest potential. Let's get started. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of your time with me today. I am really looking forward to this episode because I get to combine two things I'm super passionate about, one of which is hormones and the other is stress. Stress is something that I am working really hard to reduce in my own life and A big part of the reason for that, obviously stress doesn't feel good, but stress also impairs our decision-making, increases our appetite. The two biggest threats to our health, to our metabolism, and to our longevity or our lifespan are chronic stress and overeating. Not lying. Those are two of the biggest threats to our health, to our ability to be lean and fit and healthy, chronic stress and overeating. Here is the challenge or the rub and the reason we've got to break this cycle is because it is just that, it is a cycle. Chronic stress and overeating fall into the category of what is known as a feed forward cycle, which means they compound each other. Chronic stress increases appetite, and increases cravings, which leads to more overfeeding, right? And overfeeding, overeating, giving your body more fuel than it needs, is a stressor, so that drives this chronic stress. Chronic stress also, in addition to increasing appetite and increasing cravings, it drives pleasure-seeking behavior, reward-seeking behavior. For a lot of people, that's food, or maybe it's alcohol, So when you are chronically stressed, you are more likely to be seeking reward, seeking things that give that feeling of immediate pleasure. And for a lot of people, that just puts them in that cycle of giving their body more fuel than it needs, which creates additional stress, which creates additional hunger and cravings and reward-seeking behavior. Feed forward cycles. Now, we all have stress, but... We were not designed to be under stress all the time. And most of us are. We wake up feeling stressed, feeling anxious, feeling pressured. And we create physical stress by overeating or eating too much processed foods, damaged fats, sugar. And by damaged fats, I mean processed fats that don't have the stability of less processed or unprocessed fats from whole foods. When we think about stress, we are not just talking about emotional stress, cognitive stress. We are also talking about those physical stressors. And in this day and age, we react to almost everything with a stress response. And then our food choices 
also create a different kind of stress response, either because we're overeating and or because we are not making great food choices. Now, the other thing that factors in here as a big part of the problem is that many of us have convinced ourselves that we're just stressed and there's really not much we can do about it, which isn't true at all. There's always going to be stressors, physical stressors, whether that's temporary illness or recovering from injury, and emotional stressors, loss in our lives, problems we have to overcome. But there are always things that we can do to reduce stressors, to be more selective about what we allow to stress us out, and also to improve our response to the stressors that maybe we cannot remove. We can tackle both the physical stressors as well as the mental emotional stressors. And if we don't, we are seriously impairing our metabolism, our ability to burn fat, our ability to perform in workouts and or build muscle. We are seriously impairing our decision-making skills. And we'll talk about that in a lot more detail. But I want to take a second and just differentiate between physical stressors and the mental or emotional stressors. I think we all get the mental and the emotional stressors, work stress, financial stress, relationship stress, the things that upset us. Physical stress is also very, very real. And physical stress can be caused by not getting enough sleep, being sick, being injured, overeating, The things we eat like things we're sensitive to, for me, consuming dairy is a physical stressor on my body. For everybody, sugar is a stressor on their body. Trans fats are a stressor on their body. And we were not built for this chronic stress. When we are chronically physically stressed as well as mentally and emotionally stressed, our bodies just cannot do what they are meant to do. When we look at the emotional stress side of things, most of it is self-generated. When we focus on what's wrong, when we're worrying, when we allow ourselves to get upset over everything from traffic to losing our keys to an annoying commercial on TV or waiting on hold on the phone. So we have those optional stressors as well as the legit stressors like breakups death, financial trouble. Every single one of these stressors, the physical ones, lack of sleep, sugar, injury, illness, as well as the mental and emotional ones, the times we just let ourselves get all worked up about that email that we got, or the fact that we've told them to stop calling us and put us on the do not call list, but they still call. And the bigger emotional stressors, loss, grief, divorce, etc., Every single one of them sends these stress alarms throughout the body. And when we think about stress that way, the physical sides of stress, the mental and emotional sides of stress, we have to be more selective about the things we choose to pull the alarm on because our body was not built to handle this chronic stress. So do you really want to pull that alarm because you can't find your keys? Do you really want to pull that alarm because your spouse forgot to empty the dishwasher? 
chronic stress, choosing to pull this alarm over every freaking thing, the meeting at work, and getting your kid to school on time, and overeating. This chronic stress, it increases appetite, and it not only influences how much you eat because you're more hungry, chronic stress impacts what you eat, what specifically you are craving. It also impacts when you eat as well as how much you eat. So this chronic stress has a huge role. We've got to tackle it when we are trying to improve our health. The challenge that a lot of people have when they're trying to make great food choices is that they're up against appetite. They're up against cravings. They're up against the fact that when they're facing temptation, they're just not making good logical decisions. Chronic stress impairs your brain function. It impairs your decision-making skills. It depletes your energy. And when you have less energy, you have less motivation, you have less focus. And from a physiological, biological, hormonal standpoint, when your body senses this chronic stress, it adjusts its priorities. It is not prioritizing something like fat burning because the fire alarm has been pulled, metaphorically speaking, of course, right? If we think about how kids respond to, say, illness or injury, or animals, how animals respond to illness or injury, they actually eat less or they stop eating. So many parents stress out when their kids are sick because they lose their appetite and they worry that they're not getting the nutrition that they need. See, under acute stress, not chronic, acute being like short duration, short Uh, short-lived, it can be high intensity, it can be a very intense stress like breaking a bone, but it's a periodic stress as opposed to prolonged or chronic. But the way our body is designed is for these shorter, not lasting bouts of stress. And the way our body is respond is, is to actually suppress appetite under acute stress. This is why kids and animals naturally don't eat when they're under this physical stress, illness or injury. It's how we were designed. But chronic stress breaks those mechanisms and we have to fix them. We have to work with our bodies when we feel like we are chronically stressed. And then we also have to be very intentional about reducing the amount of stress we are inflicting on our body with physical stressors and mental and emotional stressors. Some warning signs of chronic stress are going to be being tired all the time. Because remember, lack of sleep is a physical stressor on the body. So being tired all the time is a sign of chronic stress. Cravings, constant cravings, not that every once in a while I really am craving some chocolate, but regular cravings are a sign of chronic stress. Anxiety and depression are signs of chronic stress. Weight fluctuations, like seeing your weight all of a sudden start going up or rapid weight loss, signs of chronic stress. There is a quote that I really love, um, and I'm going to 
botch this name, but it's by it's from Dr. Justin Marchingianji. Whatever. Who knows? Hope he's not listening. I'm sure he's not listening. But he says you can ignore reality, but you can't ignore the consequences of ignoring reality. So you can ignore the fact that you are chronically stressed, but you can't ignore the consequences of the fact that you're ignoring the fact that you're chronically stressed. You can't ignore the fatigue. You can't ignore the impaired metabolism and the impaired cognitive processing abilities. So let's look a little bit more closely at some of the consequences of chronic stress before we talk about lots of different ways in terms of lifestyle as well as diet that we can begin to reduce the stressors and reduce the impact of the stressors. When you are stressed out, the way your body is designed, it really triggers the fear center, the fight or flight center of your brain. So when you are chronically stressed, you are operating from the fear center, the survival parts of your brain. You are not operating from the higher level processing functions of your brain. This is why so many of us struggle to make great choices. This is why so many people are in this boat of, I really, really, really want to lose weight, but I don't know what's wrong with me. If somebody offers me cookies, I just say yes when they put the bread basket down on the table. And it's not because you're super stressed out about something in that moment. It's because your body is in a state of chronic stress. And so your brain is functioning from the survival part of the brain and not from the high-level reasoning parts of the brain. You just don't solve problems as well, and you don't exercise good judgment to the extent that you would if you weren't chronically stressed because a different part of your brain would be engaged. And this isn't so many people feel like I'm just not motivated. It very well might be that you are, in fact, very motivated. But this is more about how your brain is functioning, how your brain is impaired due to the fact that you are chronically stressed. And if you think I'm not really that stressed out, you are thinking when you say that, when you say, I mean, I don't really feel that stressed out you are probably forgetting about the physical stressors. You might not, you might feel like you're a pretty go with the flow person. You don't get worked up when you lose your keys, but that is only one aspect of stress. Do not forget those physical stressors like lack of sleep, like sugar consumption, like illness or injury or sugar, I already said sugar, uh, overeating, trans fats. All of those create stress in the body. When you are in this place of chronically stressed, physically or emotionally, the part of your brain called the amygdala is hyper aroused. And this is the fear center, right? The fight or flight place. And so you overreact to everything because of the part of your brain that is engaged and the part of your brain that is not engaged. So it's not that necessarily you are always choosing to get pissed off about losing your keys or sitting in traffic or the snarky thing that somebody you love said to you or, you know, the the comment. It was so funny. Random 
share about the uh, hyper-aroused amygdala. I was moving out of my apartment, moving a bunch of stuff into storage, and I was carrying something really heavy. Uh, It wasn't the couch, but it was something, and I was just struggling to get it to the truck. I'm like, okay, I just need to get to the truck before I drop this thing. It's really heavy. And as I walk out the door, this woman says to me, and I'm clearly struggling with this. She doesn't offer to help or anything. She just says, um, do you think you could move that truck? And I was like, can I put this, can I put this down first? Can you, can you wait like seven seconds so that I don't break my back? And (laughs) I noticed that I was just hyper aroused because not only was I mentally and emotionally stressed over moving, my body was physically under stress and I have had a, a slightly stressful few months or few years, I guess, depending on how you look at it. And because I had been working on this podcast episode, I was like, see, you overreact to everything. I could have said, sure, just kind of wait one second. But I was irritated by that. And those are the those are the examples of the hyper aroused amygdala, where we overreact to everything, where we snap at the smallest little thing, or we get a snarky response over something that if we were chill, If we weren't chronically stressed, wouldn't even ruffle our feathers, but everything ruffles our feathers because we are chronically stressed. That hyper-aroused amygdala creates a situation where you overreact to everything. This is why so many people beat themselves up over a food choice and find that they're fighting with their spouse over every little thing that doesn't matter and they can reflect on it and go what are we doing? Like, this is the stupidest argument ever. But this is a result of chronic stress. You don't think as clearly because of the parts of your brain that are engaged. You don't feel as good as you could. Chronic stress stimulates our adrenal glands and that pumps out cortisol, the stress hormone. And the more cortisol in our system The more anxiety we feel, the more reactive we are, and that is yet another of those feed-forward cycles, right? We get stressed out, it stimulates the adrenals, the adrenals produce cortisol, so we're even more reactive, we're more jumpy, that creates more stress, the adrenals get stimulated more. Elevated cortisol does so many dangerous things. And I'm not talking about intermittent elevation because in small doses, acute increases in cortisol is how we were designed, right? It's how we run from the tiger or, you know, evolution of humans. And that's how we would escape danger. We'd have these spikes in stress hormones, adrenaline and noradrenaline and cortisol, and it would keep us alive. But when we are in these cycles where it's constantly happening, This constant elevation of cortisol is really, really dangerous. Everything from it can uh, deplete the mineral composition of our bones, it slows healing, it impairs digestion, it impairs metabolism, it impairs sleep, suppresses melatonin. So even if we can fall asleep, we're not getting into those deeper, more restorative stages of sleep. Chronic stress impairs the action of insulin in the body. And when that happens, we're not only setting ourselves up for things like type 2 diabetes, but also more hunger, more cravings, less fat burning, stimulates appetite. And again, remember, it drives that reward-seeking behavior. 
Now, cortisol, like I said, isn't bad. It has a purpose, but we break it. We break its ability to do what it's supposed to do when it's chronically elevated. Cortisol, in addition to helping us to escape danger and alert all of our body processes when something is really, really wrong and we're trying to survive, it also controls blood pressure, it regulates inflammation in the body, but when it is chronically elevated, all of those processes can't function as intended either. So we see out-of-control inflammation. That's another stressor. See how we get into these feed-forward cycles, right? It means that we can't regulate our blood pressure as effectively. And when our blood pressure isn't balanced, that is a physical stressor on the body. Yet another feed-forward cycle. Chronic stress is at the root of almost all behavioral disorders, right? And when we think about behavioral disorders and food, that is things like binge eating, right? Overeating, uh, choosing processed foods and having those cravings. It's, it is such a huge part of what drives us to food and what influences the foods that we are seeking. So what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Because certain stressors we can't necessarily avoid. And it does take a lot of practice to become less reactive to stress. So there are some things we can do from the mindset perspective. There are some things we can do from the nutritional perspective. There are some things we can do from the lifestyle perspective. And I want to just touch on a few things in each of those categories. And this is by no means an exhaustive list of all the things you could do to reduce stress. But I want to make sure that everybody feels empowered. Maybe you're not at a place where you want to make nutritional adjustments, but you can make some of these lifestyle adjustments or these attitude adjustments, perspective mindset adjustments. Or maybe you're ready to tackle the nutrition ones, but not necessarily the lifestyle ones. So we're just going to go through a few of them. And the first one that I want to touch on, because so much of the reason we have chronic stress as opposed to acute stress, is because of our perspective, We've been talking a lot lately on the podcast. I've done two episodes recently on how we can convince ourselves of anything. And most of us spend the majority of our energy and place the majority of our focus on what is wrong. What's wrong with the world? What's wrong with politics? What's wrong with our job? What's wrong with our relationship? What's wrong with our bodies? And because that is our perspective, we are routinely triggering stress. Stress, stress, stress in the way we see everything. If you see all that's wrong, what's wrong is all you'll see. But if you focus on what is good and right, you will see more of what is good and right. And that doesn't mean that grief doesn't come up, that real catastrophes don't happen in your life. But your perspective is a huge part of whether you are chronically stressed or you just experience those acute stressors, those more intermittent stressors. Too many people are chronic complainers. And a big part of that, set your ego aside for this one because nobody wants to hear this, because 
It's the only way they know to get attention. And I don't mean they're, you know, complaining to the world about some big issue to specifically seek attention. What I'm saying is, think about this. If to your friends or to your spouse or to your coworkers, you didn't talk about how you got screwed over by your contractor or your car issue or the awful thing your mother-in-law said or how busy you are or how you have no self-control, what would you talk about? So many people do this because if they didn't, they wouldn't have anything to say. They wouldn't get attention because a lot of people aren't comfortable talking about what is good or what is right. And there are a number of reasons for that. I'm not going to go into the psychology of it, but they feel like it's more socially acceptable to complain. Understand, though, that there are serious consequences for your health, for your decision-making ability, for your relationships, for your happiness. If you stopped complaining, what would you say? So many people begin every single conversation with, oh, this weather is awful. It's so cold. I can't wait for spring. I'm exhausted. I didn't sleep at all last night. Yeah, my kid came home at four and told me they had a science project due the next day. So that's what I spent my night doing. Those seem really benign and insignificant, but that negativity triggers that stress response. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Train yourself to focus on what is right. And ask yourself, be really honest, this is hard. If you stopped sharing everything that was wrong, would you have anything to say? Most people wouldn't. Create a change here. Too many of us are addicted to our problems and addicted to talking about them and sharing them. Be the change. Make the change, right? So much of our experience of stress is about our attitude and our perspective. Do not choose to harm your health and your longevity and your decision-making and your metabolism because you lost your keys or because you're running late or because you got a snarky email from your boss. Laugh a little bit more. Calm way, way down. Not just a little bit. Calm way down. Remind yourself that every time you overreact, you are pulling the stress alarm in your body. And that is a feed forward cycle that makes you more reactive, that impairs your decision making skills even more. Calm down. I really believe that mindset and attitude is one of the most significant adjustments we can make in response to not only the things that stress us out, but the response we have to stressors that come up that are outside of our control. Now, that is sort of the mindset side of things. Then there are nutritional changes and lifestyle changes. One that I want to talk about more from the lifestyle side of things is light exposure like sunlight, or using artificial lights. We all know somebody who experiences depressive symptoms in the winter months, right? Seasonal affective disorder, or even if it's not at that level, but to some extent feeling not as good when they're not getting as much sunlight, daylight. That is a result of physical stress, And we all kind of think of vitamin D, and that is a part of it, and we'll talk about that in a second. But the the hypothalamus actually 
communicates a lot of information about light to the adrenals. And by light, I mean sunlight exposure, light exposure. And so the adrenals, which are where cortisol is secreted from, are influenced significantly by light. This is why when we talk about significant light exposure, not just like sitting in a room with a light bulb in it, significant light exposure, either through like red light therapy or external sunlight from the sky, can reduce cortisol levels because of the way that that photic information, that light information is communicated to the adrenals and they adjust cortisol accordingly, right? Vitamin D is another part of it though because um, when you have excess cortisol in your system from chronic stress, it actually prevents the activation of vitamin D So you just have this inactive vitamin D that can't really do anything because of the elevation of cortisol. The other part of it is light can reduce the physical stressors in our body because light increases our antioxidant defenses and reduces oxidative stress. So light is coming at us really from the physical stress side of things. It is reducing physical stressors from free radicals. It's increasing our defense of those free radicals. And it's also influencing cortisol production and release by the adrenals. If you can, get more exposure to natural light as early in the day as possible. This is true even in the colder months. Now, the light doesn't have as significant an impact in the colder months as it does in the warmer months, but still, do your best to get some exposure to natural light as early in the day as possible. The other thing to consider is some ways beyond the, the light from the sun. And I've talked recently in uh, the podcast about why I started using the Juve light. Juve is spelled J-O-O-V-V for those that are curious. I'm not going to go into a whole lot of detail about it today, uh, but I have talked about it in previous podcast episodes related to blood flow and cellulite and collagen, but also, quite frankly, for the anti-stress factor because of the way that light communicates with our adrenals to optimize the production of cortisol. I will link to the Juve Light in the show notes over on primalpotential.com for those who are interested. But I know for me, I try to use it regularly really for like primarily the skin health benefits and collagen production and blood flow. But I go out of my way to spend some time in front of that light when I feel like I've been chronically stressed because it, it, has, it has an impact. The other thing, and I've been getting a lot of questions about this lately, so I've got to figure out how I want to share my experience or talk more about this. The other thing that has a significant impact on not only reducing physical stressors, but also improving our response to external stressors is meditation. And there are a bajillion different ways to meditate, and I've tried a lot of them, box breathing and guided meditations and apps like Headspace or Insight Timer, etc. Most recently, though, I was trained in Transcendental Meditation, or TM, 
And the reason I did that is because TM is far and away the most researched form of meditation, and it has so many peer-reviewed clinical human studies on, obviously humans, we don't have a lot of like rabbits that are practicing TM, but anyway, uh, there are so many studies done on TM, significantly more than other forms of meditation. And one of the big reasons that I wanted to learn TM is because it reduces cortisol, that stress hormone. One particular study, um, and it was published in the journal Hormones and Behavior, showed that TM reduces cortisol by up to 30%. 30%! A third! That is massive! And I can tell you for sure that since my training, I have noticed that I am less reactive. Remember when we're chronically stressed, we're operating from that fear part of the brain. I am far less reactive. I am sleeping better, waking up less in the middle of the night. I am more focused and I generally feel more calm, which shows me that this is making a difference on the stressors in my life. So meditation is certainly one way. And again, there are so many ways you can meditate. I don't think there's a way to do it wrong. Anytime that you are slowing down and trying to take a little bit of time for your mental and emotional health, that is a win. But I do plan to talk a little bit more. I don't know if I'll maybe do a webinar or uh, if it'll be a blog or it'll be a podcast, uh, but I do plan to talk a little bit more about my experience with TM. Sleep. Guys, one of the biggest stressors is lack of sleep. And I get that everybody feels like they can't get more sleep, but you can. And even if you can't get more hours of sleep because of your work schedule or your kids or whatever it is, you can improve the quality of your sleep by things like eating less sugar, not eating within a few hours of going to bed, making sure your room is totally dark. I've done a number of podcast episodes on how you can improve the quality of your sleep even when you can't improve the quantity of your sleep. When you can do both, that is ideal. But if you are not rested, that is a significant physical stressor. And remember, this stress is not just, oh, I feel agitated. It makes you more hungry. It increases your cravings. It, it impairs your ability to make good decisions. It impairs your ability to burn fat. This is a really big deal. Do what you can to either get more sleep or improve the quality of your sleep. From a food perspective, a couple of things that will make the biggest difference. And one is not overfeeding. Remember that giving your body more fuel than it needs is one of the most significant ways that we impair our health. So many people have the mindset of like, oh, I just want something sweet or I just want a little something without regard to does my body need fuel? And if you just begin to pay attention to hunger and have that be one of the primary driving forces on if and when and what you eat, that'll make a difference. Food is not the answer when hunger is not the problem. And most people are not assessing whether or not they're hungry and making a decision about what or when or how much to eat. They're thinking about maybe, is this a good choice or not from a food quality standpoint? You know, is it a Twinkie or is it a carrot kind of deal? 
but they're not thinking about, well, am I really hungry? Does my body need more fuel right now? Overfeeding is a serious, serious, serious stressor on the body. And I'm not saying eat less is the answer for everybody. For you, I don't, I don't know your situation, but we've got to be aware of when we are giving our body fuel, food, that it doesn't need. And we have to acknowledge the fact that it is a massive stressor on our system to overeat. It just is. Sugar is another one. Processed foods is another one. Artificial sweeteners is another one. From a food perspective, there is so much we can do to reduce stress. From a specific standpoint when it comes to food, magnesium is a great way to improve our body's resilience to stress. And I'm not necessarily talking about magnesium supplements, although you might go that route, but magnesium helps the the brain pituitary adrenal access that gets really fired up in response to chronic stress. Magnesium sort of calms it down. And magnesium can quiet, soften, dial down, suppress, call it what you will, the signaling to the adrenals to pump out more cortisol. Magnesium's like, you know, just slow your roll. We're okay here. And that is why so many people think of magnesium as a calming agent, because it just sort of dampens those signals to the adrenals uh, in, in situations of chronic stress. If you are deficient in magnesium, your body's ability to regulate stress on its own will be impaired. I just want to be really direct about that. Foods that are rich in magnesium, spinach is a great one. Dark chocolate is a great one. And I want to pause here before I tell you the other ones and remind you of the overfeeding stressor. So having dark chocolate when your body doesn't need fuel because you think it's going to reduce stress is Pennywise and pound foolish because you are creating stress when you overeat. And that is a bigger stressor than magnesium is a stress reliever, okay? So turning to dark chocolate after dinner when you're not hungry is not a good way to reduce stress because you're overfeeding yourself. So spinach, dark chocolate, almonds, avocado. Alternatively, you know, things like hot baths can be relaxing, but you can sort of next level it by putting Epsom salt in your bath because there's got uh, some magnesium in there. One thing that I do, and I do this especially when there's a combination of physical stress and mental and emotional stress, so I'm overtired and I'm sore. I shared with you guys that I was moving and my forearms are really sore, so I used a magnesium oil. It's a spray and it helps to relax my muscles, but I'm also addressing any potential magnesium depletion. I never turn to supplements before food, right? So first line of defense is going to be make sure I'm not overeating, focusing on foods that are rich in magnesium when my body needs fuel. But in certain circumstances, if I'm really, really sore after a workout or there's just a combination of physical and mental stress, like I'm sick, I will use this magnesium spray and I, uh, it can be hard to find one that doesn't have a bunch of crap ingredients in it. 
but the one that I use uh, is called uh, Life Flow is the, bl- is the brand, and it's a magnesium oil with aloe vera, and the only ingredients are magnesium, water, and organic aloe. I get it from Thrive Market because I can't really find it in most stores, and most of the stuff you find in stores have all sorts of other ingredients that I'm not interested in, but I will link to the one that I get from Thrive, and again, I, I use it if I'm particularly sore after a workout or if I'm under the weather to just help my body respond to stress. And of course, magnesium has other benefits in terms of muscle recovery and things like that, but just from the stress perspective. And don't forget the individual variability of stress reduction. What is it that relaxes you? What is it that calms you down? Is it prayer? Is it music? For me, as silly as this sounds, taking a minute to just wash my face makes a really big difference. I don't know why, but it does. And that might do absolutely nothing for you, but know what the individual things are for you that help you relax, that help you calm down. Because at the end of the day, we are shortening our lifespans and seriously impairing our health and our body's ability to function as this beautiful machine was intended to, we are seriously impairing it when we are chronically stressed. So the things you can look at, your attitude and your perspective, stop getting worked up over everything. Focus on not overeating, minimizing sugar, minimizing processed food. Those things stress you out. If there are foods to which you are sensitive, dial back. Get out in the sunlight. If you can't or it doesn't happen often, consider something like my personal preference is the juve light. That has helped me a lot and I notice a difference. Consider meditation. TM certainly has a lot of studies on its effect, reducing cortisol by up to 30% and I am physically feeling that shift for myself since getting trained in it. But really look at what you are able and willing to do to minimize the stress in your life because your life does depend on it. Like, that's not a dramatic statement. We were not built to endure this chronic stress, and it drives us to food, and it increases our cravings, and it impairs our decision-making skills, and it wreaks havoc on our bodies. It takes years off of our lives. This is one of the most significant things you can focus on to not only move towards your goals, but also improve your health. If there's anything that I didn't touch on or you have additional questions, maybe we need to do a second deeper dive into this issue of stress, go ahead and leave a comment on the show notes. I will link to that magnesium oil that I use as well as to the juve light and other things that I've talked about in today's episode over on the show notes at primalpotential.com. I hope you have a great day. Do not get stressed out when you're sitting in traffic or you get that snarky email or you get a bill in the mail that's more than you thought it would be. Your life depends on it. Have a great day. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Primal Potential Podcast, where my goal is not to inform you, but to transform you. And if you would like to receive free motivation and strategy and recipes, workouts, meal ideas every week right to your inbox, just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash 
join. It's a great way to get the tools, the strategies, and the practical implementation assistance that you need to create your own transformation between podcast episodes. Just text the word PRIMAL to the number 44222 or go to primalpotential.com slash join. See you there.